Kamala Harris's laughing gas antics trying to stop Islamophobia. Tlaib fails or Tlaib. What is, what's her name? Tlaib. You know, the whole Palestine thing. And we don't need another TED Talk in our churches. We need the Word of God. Amen? So stay tuned on Self-Evident Podcast. I'm joined by the beautiful woman on my left. Her name, Carrie, probably your... You don't even have a left or right when you're <laughs> watching this, but she's here. Oh, Carrie Campos is... Well, yeah, we're live. <laughs> Are you serious? You better not be serious. Are you serious? Have, I don't have headphones on because it musts my heart. Okay. Um, so, listen. Things happening all over the globe. Before we get into the main topic of today, some things are happening that we really need to, you know, talk about. Did you know that the White House is now fighting Islamophobia? Exactly, because that's exactly what we need to do right now is fight Islamophobia. Not the hatred of Jews, not the hatred of Christians, not the hatred of other groups, because, hey, Islamophobia. When you look at this whole thing, this is where Vice President of the Nuthouse, Kamala <laughs> Laughing Gas Harris, announced on Wednesday the strategy will be to be a comprehensive and detailed plan, which means they want money. So listen to that, okay? To protect Muslims and all those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, she continued, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. Which ones? Like terrorists, like terrorism, like the bad things that they do if they are terrorists. And people are like, not all Muslims are bad. It's like, you know, I get it. I get it. And you can't blame everybody for everything. But is it racism or is it just, just be careful? That's all. Can I ask a question? Remember when the World Trade Centers happened? Why is mm -hmm. it the TSA went after the American people? Right. Why is it that yeah. they went after us saying, hey, you might be the next bomber. It's like, well, I didn't fly the plane. Mexicans didn't fly the plane <laughs> into the trade centers. Mexicans don't like to fly. We like to drive. And what, I'm, I'm darn sure it wasn't. White folk don't want to do that. They want to live. They want to take over the World Trade Center. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to bomb it. Yeah. It wasn't this black folk. Dicey. No, I'm saying, I, I, look, I'm, I'm good. Black folk ain't going to do it. <laughs> Ride a plane. Into the World Trade Center, they'd board up the windows, break them. Chinese people—they're too smart for that. Clearly, this is not going to be a clip. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Uh, it's not going to be a this real. This is awesome. This We're is not awesome. making this into a this real. This is good. This is good. All I'm saying is, Islamophobia. Really? Is that really the issue here? No, it's not. And it's all the sentiment that they're doing on these college campuses. It's really ridiculous. So, guys, comment below where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> comment with your comments because you know you got to agree with me. Ain't no Puerto Rican, Mexican, or whatever Latino alive that would take a plane and fly it into the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. Nobody would do that. That's true. But them crazy terrorists would. So it's Islamophobia to be cautious of terrorists? I don't know. Again, we'll leave it up to Kamala Laughing Gas Harris. 
hotties. Yeah, she's 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 a little she's a little nuts. Miss John Pierre said, for too long, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslims, such as Arabs and Sikhs, have endured a, dispropor- uh, a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks and other discriminatory incidences. Oh, not churches, not Asian people, not Jewish people, those people. Okay, look what they're trying to do. Now we're sympathizing with things. We got to be careful of. We just got to be careful. I'm saying they already. They're, like when you read this stuff, they're already telling you what they're doing. They're already telling you what they're, they're trying to normalize this stuff. When it's crazy, because isn't it the same Muslims that? And people will say that's just that's antiquated. No, they don't let women drive. They don't let women. I mean, have you seen those women that have all the freedom? You know, they're wearing the hijabs yeah, right. and they're wearing all those big long garbs. Right. You know, because they're afraid of their men stumbling, so they force the women to cover up and not the men. But the men can have like fifty wives. Yeah. And marry girls at like eight years old. Okay, right. who's who here? You're protecting that. Yeah. That seems safe. Seems peaceful. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just feeling the love. I, I, that's why women should be Muslim. That's why. Because guess what? If you cover yourself up, you won't get. Ra- yeah, you will. <laughs> oh wait. Hmm. Too soon. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is, <clears throat> don't listen to the bull crap out there. What I'm saying too, as well, Kamala Harris does not know what she's supporting. There's no way she knows what she's supporting. A comprehensive, detailed plan. Get out of town. All right, here's another one. Show slide one, son. A Democratic primary election has been overturned (laughs) and will need to happen again after video came out of a woman stuffing a ballot box. Shocking. Because election fraud doesn't happen. You election deniers, it just doesn't happen. Just listen. The woman, Wanda Greer Pataki, the city's vice chair of the Democratic Town Committee, is working for the current mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, Joe Gannam. Gannam denied any involvement. Mm -hmm. Of course, it wasn't me. This white powder in the White House, whose could it be? We can find bin Laden in a cave, but we don't know whose white (laughs) substance that was in the White House, okay? Right. That it says that, you know, Ganem denied any involvement, but two women on trial, uh, Greater Pataki and Aneda Martinez, those daggum Mexicans. <laughs> I'm Mexican. That was me. We probably did stuff on ballot box, you know what I mean? With some tequesos and tequilas and all that stuff. Guacamole. Yeah, all that stuff, right? <laughs> and they asserted their Fifth Amendment privilege because it's a criminal case. You can do that. You can assert the Fifth Amendment privilege saying, I'm not, I'm not going to answer. I write Fifth Amendment privilege. Watch this. The state law says that absentee ballots may only be submitted by an applicant, a family member, a police officer, an elected official, or a caretaker. <laughs> In other words, the video evidence shows that state law was violated when an unauthorized person or partisan engaged in ballot stuffing. Now they would need to rerun the primary election because it never, happens. ever, ever happens. Isn't that... Danny, that's what I'm talking about, buddy. See, he gets it. I know. I was going to interrupt uh, and say I, that. That's but. what I'm saying. He gets it. He understands it. Guys, go ahead and share this video. You guys that are watching right now, uh, if you're tuning in basically by ear, not by video, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you can, go on to whatever streaming platform you're on. Give us a five-star review or give us a one-star review. I don't give a crap. And then comment on there why you hate or love the show. Mm-hmm. And if it's worth it, I want to talk to you. What I'm saying is if it's worth it, because there's a lot of accounts that comment on our things and they're fake accounts or they're blocked accounts or they're all these things because, you know, they're powerful and they're really warriors and they really understand, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how to do civil discourse and all. But go ahead and comment down below where you're from. Share this video with all your friends. It's not that difficult. Oh, shoot. I shared it on the wrong platform. (laughs) Anyways, 
Guys, let's get into this right now. When we see the balance <coughs> of power, when we see the oh. balance of power shifting, right? Because, you know, the, the, the Democrats are running afraid right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, hey, we screwed up the country enough. You know, we've put it in some debt. Inflation's up. I think it was like some 18%. The, the, they're saying now the job, mar- the job market's on the rise. Well, yeah, you dummies. It's seasonal. Oh. Right, it's happening now. Right. My last quarter was up. Okay, cool. Well, you, know you destroy it for two years, and then when people finally get back to work, you're like, "Look what we did! <laughs> we fixed it." <laughs> yeah, you did. So they know it, right? So then the balance of power is freaking out right now, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, if Trump gets the nomination, blah blah blah." Some guy actually said on one of the recent shows that like we got to put a bullet in Trump's hand basically to stop him. It's oh, like, geez. and nothing happened to him. Nothing happened to Madonna about blowing up the White House. Nothing happened to those guys, right? But you think about the balance of power and how it needs to swap. And we know a guy who can restore power to your own home or business. <laughs> Energy Ops LLC. Energy Ops LLC in the Charleston, South Carolina area. Or if you need him to come down to Florida, because he's going to come down to Florida, help us in our office here, we can, we can hook you up. 843-263-1724. 843-263-1724. It's residential. It's commercial. He does all the things. He supports self-evident podcasts. He's a good, good integrous company. This gentleman is amazing. Mike is awesome. We so appreciate him. We love him. We love his family. Uh, they've supported us for a long time. We met him at a homeschool conference, mm-hmm. I think it was. And uh, he just, his life was completely changed. And we're just so grateful for him. And again, he's a faithful sponsor and supporter. So we wanted to support him by telling you guys about him. So go ahead and give him a call, 843 263 one seven two four. You can email him at office at energyops.us. Energyops.us. Moving on. <laughs> the real reason Carrie Campos is on this show right now is for a reason. <laughs> so, Carrie, yeah, I mean, a little late, but yes. I can't hear the sound effects because I'm not wearing. Why aren't, right. you wear, why aren't you wearing? Because it messes my heart. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just, it, you just have to be in my world to understand this beautiful woman here. She's the kind of woman that marches to the beat of her own drum. She's the kind of woman that if she doesn't like it, she just doesn't partake in it. Without saying a word, she just retreats. She's the kind of woman who's got a great word for people, who loves people. But then at about 7.30, <laughs> starts to check out. So we could start a Bye. we could start a get-together at about 5 p.m. By 7.30, she's done. That's, I mean, True. 7.45. My night's getting started at about 9-ish, but hers is done at about 7.30. And if you guys could relate to that, type amen in the comments. She's also a woman of faith. She's a woman of God. She preaches. She does all that stuff. She runs... Uh, a lot of what self-evident does. She books all the tours. She's uh, doing a lot of the fundraising we do. Um, I help a lot of the bigger donors, but she does a lot of our monthly support. So when you get a phone call about the Torchbearer Society, which we'd love for you to be a part of, go ahead and sign up for that. Amen. Um, and she'll get in touch with you here. Um, <clears throat> or things like that. She's usually the one who's on the phone talking with you, talking through things with you. And so I'm so grateful to have this lovely woman, Carrie Ann Compost, by my side. Through seventeen Thanks, seventeen years of wonderful wedded bliss for me, probably torturous for her. But what's up? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so listen, 
Uh, you you have a word for everybody. You have a word for people. So Katie Latrell said bedtime is nine. <laughs> Are you going to monitor them or me? Both. Just go. Keep going. So, babe, you you had this thing. You had this word. We were we were together, and we you know we talk about t- tons of different things. I'm like, babe, you should go on the podcast with me. She's like, no. So she never wants to really do podcasts. But when she says, hey, I really want to do a podcast, Mike and I part the Red Sea. <laughs> To get her on because every time she comes on, she's such a hit. And so Mike and I feel we're going to quit the podcast and just give it to her since she gets most of the responses. So you had a word or you had a thing in your heart that you wanted to discuss. And I thought, what a great topic. Yeah, I mean, we uh, I mean, I guess we'll just get into it. I we went out with lunch to lunch with a friend early this week and she was I mean, we were talking about a number of stuff and, you know, getting life advice um, from what she sees. And she started talking about the word of God. And she, you know, almost in tears was saying like, I've just found a renewed love for the word of God. And she, I mean, she was like talking about it for, you know, a number of minutes on end about, I just love the word of God. I love soaking and planting myself in the word of God. And, um, and, and I talked to her out on the phone after our lunch, and she's just going on about the word and how this season is literally transforming her life, finding her place in the word of God, and just that raw love for that. And mm-hmm. I uh, driving home, I started thinking about how, I mean, we've been in the Christian world. I got saved when I was a senior in high school, so 20 years, some years. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in the Christian world for that long. And I started to think, and this is a broad brush, so I know there are people who say, I love the Word of God, I love digging in the Word of God, but I started to think how rarely I actually hear that. Mm -hmm. And in all the tools that we have that we draw closer to God with, people are like, I love worship, worship's my thing, I love prayer, prayer's my thing, I love fellowship, I love prophecy, I love the gifts of the Spirit, let's... Like, I just draw close to God. I rarely hear, and again, a general broad brush, there are people who say this, but on a general consensus, I rarely hear people say that, that I love soaking in the Word of God. I love digging in the Word of God. I love finding God's character and who He is to me in our nation and our people through the Word of God. And it just kind of broke me in a sense of where we are in basic tenet Christianity as of all, like all the things that we draw closer to God with the word of God is usually the bottom ring of the totem pole. It is. It is. And it's sad. Right. So, so one of the things that, that we wanted to talk about was the, that people more glorify doing the works of God rather than seeking God. Mm. We'll want to get baptized by the spirit to yeah. do the miracles of yeah. God not understanding that the disciples were doing the miracles before they were baptized in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. When they were baptized, it was a baptism into holiness, mm-hmm. right? Now, not, I'm not saying the power didn't come with that. Of course, that's what it says. The power came, uh, you know, after, after the Holy Ghost comes, you shall have power to turn yeah. over snake, snake scorpions, cast out devils, all these things. But sometimes I think we're glorifying more the experience with God rather yeah. than the submission to God and taking that quiet time, seeking him, mm-hmm. and then reading the word. And that the word of God has to be the honeycomb of your mouth. It has to right. be the sweetness of your lips. It has to be that that thing that you meditate and you chew on. 
And so what happens is, especially in the mornings, if I'm not focused and I don't say, Lord, I need you to overtake me, I pray that I die so that you may live. If I don't do that, I promise you other things will flood my mind rather than the scriptures. And the scriptures are what give you life. Jesus himself even said, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. Well, what is Christ? The word. So I have to go to the word and to prayer to get that word from him. And I think what you're saying is prioritizing the word. And like how you said, many people in America now, we've gotten to where the experience matters more than just the basic searching and the hunger for the scriptures. Well, because... So in our in my conversation with Karen on the phone, she was talking about something that I never thought of before. When you talk about, let's just say prophecy, but like all the gifts, all the power of the Holy Spirit, but prophecy, right? Yeah. We as Christians, especially, you know, like Christians who believe, spirit-filled, all that, prophecy is one of those ones that like people hunger after, right? Like if you are going to speak a word, we love to hear what God wants to say to us about us, about our callings, about our families, right? But the reality is, is that powerful prophecy that we long for can be found in the word. And what I mean by that is, yes, there's now words for today through prophets, prophecy, but that same, if we're not finding that same, God speaks his word over our lives through his word. He speaks his prophecy over our lives through his word. He speaks his like direction over our lives through his word. And all those things, worship, prayer, prophecy, it all has to be based in the word or you don't know if it's off. You don't know if it's truly the heart of God. And I just think how often we, and we got in, we, we got led astray for a while and it was, you have to find everything, your identity, all of it based in the word of God. That has to not be the bottom of the totem pole. It has to be like literally the main thing. That has to be the only, yeah, literally. Um, because then your prayers become foundational. Yeah. Then your doctrine becomes foundational. Then your belief system about you, about others, right? Like for, for, for a long time, I was out to save souls because they were lost to me. Yeah. Right? And then I realized something. I started to love seeking to save souls, not just because of the Great Commission, which is important, right? That's a commission from Christ to go and seek and save that which is lost and all those other things. I just realized everyone is created in the image of God. Yeah. And what that did was it made everybody on this playing field that everyone was created in his image. He wants them to return into that image. So like what he put in them is something that I want to see. uh, The, how do I say this? What he established them and started off before the foundation of the world created them or whatever, Mm -hmm. he wants that relationship restored. So when I saw it, when I started thinking that way, it wasn't just, hey, we need to go save souls because Jesus said so. That's important. That's a Mm -hmm. command. But when I realized, hey, man, God created them in his image and he wants to restore that relationship with them, it made sense. How did I get that? In Isaiah. Isaiah, that the covenant was broken and that he wants to restore that covenant. When I started reading the scriptures about salvation, I started reading the scriptures about uh, the the perishing of those and how God is not is not willing that any should perish. All that stuff starts to flood your heart when you're like, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I doing ministry? Mm-hmm. Why am I uh, preaching on you know? Why am I doing church stuff? Why yeah. are you a great mom? Why are you homeschooling? Why? Because we got a future that Christ said, train them up in the way they will go. When he's they're older, you know they you know they won't depart from it. That yeah. one. <laughs> so like all those scriptures start to flood you when you have that. You're not doing it out of arrogance. You're doing it out of 
Lord, I want to honor your word. Right. So like that wasn't just the spirit telling me to raise our kids in the truth, in in in, in righteousness and in homeschooling. It was the word of God that confirmed what the spirit was telling us. Right. Does that make sense? Right. So when you believe something or you say, man, the spirit told me, well, is that confirmed by the word? Because if it's confirmed yeah. by the word, then you can't deny it. Well, and that's what like you, I mean, I we have so many notes of points that I want to cover, but and this was one of the last points, but what you're talking about it now essentially is you can tell Christians, for the most part, you can tell uh, the if their foundation of their walk is the word of God. You can tell those Christians who have that foundation in the word of God and those who don't. Truth. And some of it's obvious because like they're living <clears throat> in straight out sin and they're like, you know, we, we had one particular instance recently where they're like living in straight out sin and you're saying to them, well, the word of God says this. And he's like, that's BS. <laughs> like, Literally told me that. Yeah, literally. To- he's like, so- I don't believe you. I was like. <laughs> What's to believe? Like, it's literally the word, bro. Right. So that's why I'm like, you can literally tell, like, you don't even have to ask. You don't have to say much. You can tell people's lives by how they operate, what their identity is, if their life and base is found in the foundation of the word of God. And you think about like how many times we we have all these issues that we deal with, uh, you know, anxiety, like sex before marriage, all, all these issues. And our question generally when we're counseling people is first question is, are you spending time in the word? And what's the number one answer right. we get? Ooh, I mean, that's kind of, no, <laughs> literally almost 95, 96, 7, 8, 9% of the time. It's, are you spending time in the word? No, not really. I like worship. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And so yeah. that's that whole concept. But what I was going to say is, you know, on my drive over here, I'm thinking about this topic, right? The Word of God and how literally vital it is to our walk with God, but our walk in life and how I've heard all my life pastors, leaders trying to pep talk their That's a congregation word, into spending 10 minutes in the morning with the Lord, just 10 minutes and it will make your day so much better. Like, and I'm thinking, and I, again, a general broad brush, because I know that there's pastors who are out there challenging people. Laboring in the word. Yes, yeah. laboring in the word and challenging people to get in the word. A general broad brush, I've heard so many times people pep talk their congregations <clears throat> into spending 10, 15 minutes in the word with the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, if you have to pep talk your congregation into spending time with the word, that body generally does not understand, again, the basic tenets of Christianity. And Bingo. it's our job in our culture. We cannot get around this. We have to challenge people to find their place in the Word of God, find their foundation in the Word of God. There is no other way around it in where we are in a culture today. Like, we cannot not do that. I think- and, it, and we can't try to beg them to spend 10 minutes in the word. And, and, and I was thinking about this when we're trying to, this message of spend 10 minutes in the word, it always ends with, it's, it's going to help you. It's going to bless you. Like it may even crucify you. Yeah, you exactly. It, right? like, like the reality <laughs> is, is I don't spend time in 10 minutes in the word in the morning so I can have a good day and not get mad at my kids. Like that's, or get mad at my coworkers. <laughs> like, 
I kind of do. But go ahead. <laughs> I know. I get that. I, let me back up and say I don't want to sound too harsh about that because I get that. That is true. That is a true statement. The word will set the tone of your day. God's presence will set the tone of your day. But if I'm trying to talk you into it by how it will benefit you, like that's selfishness. That's exactly it. Since when, like when we became Christians, once again, Carrie Campos on the Self-Evident Podcast here. Since we became Christians, Jesus, you know, Paul actually wrote, our life is not our own any yeah. longer. We're bought with a price, which means we're done. Romans talks a lot about crucify your flesh, mortify the deeds of your flesh. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. I mean, there's a, we've been buried in the likeness of Christ's death. We will be resurrected in his likeness of resurrection. What we're talking about here is death to self. This has nothing to do with improving your life. Yeah. It has everything to do with building a Christ-like appearance to the world through the spirit. Yeah. So in other words, we're dead men walking in the spirit is what we're doing. We're, we're representing the the light of Christ, however that looks. Mm-hmm. Now he uses our personalities and you know our looks, apparently <laughs> not, not some of us, but our looks apparently to do and go win souls and yeah. go minister to people and go win these things. And I think that's where compromise comes in too, is because when you're not rooted and founded in the Word, you will become the person. I just wrote about this in a sermon that if 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 a pastor does not expect submission to his authority. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. Like a half-hearted submission, he will be a half-hearted leader. And in turn, his sermons will try to be used to keep the congregants instead of sending the congregants out to the world. So in other words, I'm feeding them because they're not really submitted to the vision Christ gave me through the word of God. And so what happens is, and I'm not saying every pastor, there's many pastors that are standing right now, but the, the the it's it's hard to preach the word of God in full counsel when your foundation was trying to get them in through compromised means. Yeah. I have to be seeker friendly. I have to appeal to the masses. I have to appeal to the crowds. Well, you can't preach truth when you've appealed to their flesh. Mm-hmm. If they were drawn by the spirit because you're preaching messages that are like, no, I need to die to me and live for Christ, then you're going to be able to keep preaching those things. And then when you preach a message of encouragement on grace, faith, love, uh, all those things, they're going to want more of that because they'll understand the yeah. foundation of, I know what it's like to be in sin, yeah. but now he loves me so much that I'm in this. And then when you pray, like I just started praying this, I think you've been praying for me for this for a long time. Lord, encounter me with your love. Was, yeah. And I want you to go that yeah. vein, but like I started praying that and, the, and, and it's not every morning that I feel this overwhelming sense of, you know, waves of love. But there are moments, man, where I'll just be sitting there and he'll hit me and I can't but weep mm-hmm. at his love. And mm-hmm. I've never prayed for that before. I just serve God. That was my thing. I serve God. I do all he wants me to do. And I push forward. And you know what that did? Drove me into the ground. All of a sudden at 42, I'm, I'm, I'm restless. I can't sleep. And this was a few years ago where it's like, <laughs> I'm tired. I don't know what to do. No matter what I put my hand to, it's failing all those other things because I'm doing it in my in, in my own works. I wasn't resting in Christ. And now for the first time in, in a long time, over the last maybe year, I've been experiencing this, let it go. This is mm-hmm. God's business, yeah. his love. And where does it say that? Matthew stinking six. It was one of the first scriptures I ever read. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then mm-hmm. all these things will be added. But seek his righteousness, seek his face, seek yeah. his love, seek his heart right? Seek him where? Not just in prayer. Uh, That friend that I said, you know, that told me to basically, I'm full of crap. 
I said to him, what do you follow? And he said, oh, I follow. Yeah. He goes, I follow the spirit. I'm like, yeah. Well, what does the spirit lead you That's to do? That's it. Yes. <laughs> so the I, spirit. <clears throat> go, go, no, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. The spirit doesn't lead you away from what the word of God says because the spirit is God's spirit. So it follows the word of God. That's right. Sorry. That's right. No. So, and, and I think that's where a lot of people are. It's like, I'm just following the promptings. To what? Yeah. To what? To where? To who? What, where's, your, where's your basis? Where's your homeostasis? Where are you foundationally rooted at? Right. I think that's why people don't want to go to churches because they're not finding that community is important because according to scripture, we need the fellowship of mm-hmm. the brothers. Yeah. Christian, you can't do this alone. You, you just can't do it. I've tried. I was, I was, I was a, a cavalier, a vagabond, a maverick. And then God humbled me real quick, especially yeah. having a family and stuff. It's like, no, you need the body. You need the body of Christ. You need a, a, a leader, someone to shepherd your soul, someone to take watch over. You need that. That's scriptural. Yeah. Obey your leaders and submit to them. There's a reason he wrote that, because he gave offices for the church to function in, and we need to be submitted to a place. See, what happens is when you read scripture like that, you're like, oh, now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then when you become a part of a church body, then you plug in. And when you plug in, you start to feel this freedom. And then all of a sudden you get friends and they're like, oh, you have needs? And they're like, yeah. And then they're like, well, let's meet your needs. That's what the body does, right? But when you don't know the word, you don't even think like that. And you're like out there on your fishing boat, I don't need church to find God, you know, all out there on your boat. I'm not trying to dog that. What I'm saying is it's unscriptural. It's unscriptural. There's so many things that are unscriptural now that we do. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in the body of Christ that we really need to rectify. Right. Again, that going back to this word, that our basic tenets of Christianity of what the word says, but we don't know the word. And I think, you know, you, most of you guys know this. We got, you know, met, got married. We were in a cult. And I firmly believe, again, what the word says, what the enemy meant for evil, God re- will use for good. Mm. So in this cult, we were almost forced essentially, to get into the Word daily. Mm. And so we, mm. I mean, hours upon hours in the Word, learning the words. Uh, I will say that was probably the best part. Yes, of yeah. And so now coming out and walking in that revelation of God's love, it's taking those what that Scripture and marrying it with the love of God, which there is literally nothing like reading the Word of God with a revelation, a raw revelation of his love, not believing his love, knowing his love. Like I, so I'll just share my story. In again, most of you know, I had cancer in 2022, went through chemo, all the things, was a year long process. You know, I had a colostomy bag. I had reversal surgery in February. So that whole year of being diagnosed with cancer, going through chemo, you know, it was a traumatic medical experience year. in the, the no whole I'm saying year. in the actually getting diagnosed with when we went into the hospital having problems oh. that was a very traumatic night of horrible medical experience right but that whole year i just felt like wrapped in god's arms like and i can't, that sounds so cheesy and i'm normally not one to use cheesy words but that's what it felt like i wasn't worried i mean i did come home with some from the hospital with some worries but it was like it just kind of immediately dissipated and i just had a trust and i was in the parking lot at the um 
before or before I went in to get chemo one treatment, I felt God speak to me. You're going to hear that you don't have to finish this. And so it was just like I just felt God's presence, right? Then fast forward to a year later when I had the colostomy bag reversal surgery, it was not what I was expecting. It was a horrible experience. I have an NG tube in my nose, like 10 days, ice chips and waters, in and out of the hospital, a horrible recovery. And I'm just hit with this terror, like this fear. Like, so it turns out medical PTSD is a thing that if you don't get healed from, like it screws with your mind. But I just was hit with this terror that I can't even explain like terror about random crazy crap. And so uh, for the first time, I'm realizing what people talk about when they have anxiety. Like I'm just, I've never been one to be afraid, like ever. Like I'm on a plane when I, like since I was a kid and there's turbulence and I'm like, yeah, like (laughs) it's a free, well not free. It's like a roller coaster ride. I love it. And, and I just walk out of that surgery with this, yeah, you'd get on a plane. And, and get were... on a plane, and, you know, we land in Dallas one time, and we had supposed to connecting flight, and I'm almost in the point of, like, I cannot get on that plane. So our friend Natalie has to call me, goes through some, you know, inner healing right there in the airport. Anyways. You, first off, you have no idea what it's like when your wife has her arms, bar- her head buried in her arms crying at a restaurant. And I'm sitting there, and people are looking at her and looking at me, and I'm like, I, did, I didn't beat her. <laughs> I didn't beat her. I didn't her. And she's all like just frayed, trepidatious in the corner. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it wasn't my fault. She's just dealing with something. That was a freaky feeling. I yeah. remember that. So we, I, I did get on the plane with the help of some Benadryl. <laughs> Lots I, of Benadryl. <laughs> I got on the plane. We made it home. We're here. We're alive. So I, we have what's at our church called Inner Healing. And Natalie comes over to my house like multiple times um, in that maybe first two months after that surgery, maybe three months. And I am walking through these sessions, these inner healing sessions where it's like, what is the Lord speaking to you about this issue, about your beliefs? And the theme of all those sessions was God's unconditional revelation of God's love. But the lat, and it was like this building up of understanding that. And this last, the last session I did, I, you know, we're going through like the fear of health stuff and like, and I see like God speaking to me for the first time. So let me back up and say when I got out of the hospital the first time, and I love what these people were saying is true. Their heart intent, their heart was pure. I was just, they come over and like, you got to take the word and the word, say the word out loud. That will be your key. That will be your cure. Like take this word. Here's this book. Take the word and you say this and you do this because the word is powerful. That is all true. <coughs> And that I don't think, you, I don't think did, you were ready for that, though. It I don't did think minister you... to me, but it didn't change the foundation of my fear, my beliefs. Good word. So um, I'm in this session with Natalie, and I feel like I hear the Lord say, or I see the Lord say to me, I don't heal because my word says I heal. I heal because I love. And I just Ooh. broke. Like, the word is simply acknowledging me healing but I heal because I love. And it's not you taking the word in works that's going to bring your healing. Is It's realizing that raw revelation of my love. And I'm just like, it literally changed a core belief in me, if that makes sense. Like understanding his raw revelation of his love. And it was obviously a series of weeks, but it was that moment. And I cry right now. It was that moment that like I understood for the first time his unconditional love as knowing it as a core belief. Like my whole Christian walk was 
you'd feel it, you'd feel God's outpouring of love here and there. But there's one thing to believe it, and there's another thing to know it. And so going back to reading the word, I when I read now the word of God, it is transformed even my digging in the word of God. If you don't have a raw revelation of God's love for you, reading the word is going to be powerful, but it takes it to another level when you have that raw yeah. revelation of your love. So let me let me share this story. I've shared it with a number of people, and it's kind of comical, but it's powerful. So I'm reading an Exodus maybe like three weeks ago, and I'm just like it like the Holy Spirit's just opening Exodus up and <clears throat> when the children of Israel are leaving. And I used to read Exodus and the children of Israel and be like, those idiots, like what a bunch of idiots. And now it's like, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm, I'm the children of Israel. Right. You know, but I, I just said that to Mike, you know, the more we sit and, and, I, and I've heard this many times, but all of a sudden you start to realize as you get older, how much faith I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, but I've read this in the word a thousand times. Why do I doubt right. now? And it's and not I like I'm claiming doubting. over that. No. It's more of a humbling acknowledgement that, it wasn't those idiots. It's Lord, us idiots change us. I'm sorry. But um, so I'm getting to the point in the story where they've left Israel or um, Egypt. They're like three days out and they start complaining. And then, you know, there's three more days out and they're complaining again. And it's the point where they have no food and they're ready to go back to Egypt. And in this portion of the story, like God is a, a little frustrated at, at this point. And, and so is Moses because they're complaining and he basically says, I'll give them, you know, tells them what to do um, and that he'll give them manna. Yeah. And I've read this story, you know, a thousand times. He'll give them manna. And it was the first time I realized what he gave them. Mm. He didn't just give them bread to survive. It says he gave them manna that tasted like coriander seed and sweet honey. So he didn't just give them bread to survive. He gave them bread that tasted good. And I'm weeping over this bread that he gave them. I'm like weeping over this manna because he, again, he could have just given them bread to survive, but because his love for his children, that raw revelation of his love for his kids, he gave them bread that tasted good. Yeah, totally. He did not have to do that. And on, on top of that, he was frustrated with them at this point and he still gave them bread that tasted good. And I'm like, again, I'm just like weeping over this bread. And it's kind of comical, but it's, it's again, going back to that reading the word of God with that raw revelation of his character, who he is to us. And it, there's nothing like it. It's, it's another level of, I don't need speech awe. I'm awe, in awe. Yeah, I don't you're kind of <clears throat> awestruck by it. So I got a couple of questions. Um, I'm watching this and I'm going through. Some of the comments, you know, um, what what gets you? You said something to me there tonight, so I'm going to try to repeat the the question here as best I can. I was frustrated one day. I think it was a few days ago, babe, that I came home and I was like, "Man, this morning was not a good time for me." I, I tried to seek the Lord, but mm -hmm. a thousand distractions came at me, and and I couldn't. And I just I I was like, I know I'm going to have a bad day because of it. Now I didn't have necessarily a bad day. Yeah. It just wasn't a, like a, a day that I'm I'm used to, especially lately, just seeking God in a different way and wanting his love and all that stuff. And you said something to me. You're like, I don't even think like that. I guess he's just wanting to spend time with me or something yeah. like that. Can you explain you, what you said? You 
said that you didn't get to spend time with the Lord in the morning and that you just, you didn't, it wasn't that you felt condemned, but you felt, I don't know if the I words, fr- I was frustrated, frustrated, I really guilty, was. like I need to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to have a bad day. And I just, it, I said to him, I'm like, I don't even think like that anymore. It's like foreign to me now because when I spend time with the Lord or when I don't spend time with the Lord, it's that I feel him drawing me in because he wants to spend time with me. Like, mm-hmm. I think we we get so caught up in our thought process of, I have to spend time with the Lord. And that's true. Like, there's a discipline of it. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. But we talk about how, like, I have to spend time in the with the word with the Lord. I have to spend time in the word. But there's a difference between understanding, going back to that revelation of his love, that he wants to spend time with us and letting the Holy Spirit draw us in. And, and and I've said this before, like, again, there's discipline. There's going to be times, and I'm not speaking this over you, there's going to be times where you listening, go to prayer, go to the Word, and you might get nothing out of it. It's that concept of going back and going back and going back, and Lord, I'm not leaving until you bless me. But then understanding, again, paired with that raw revelation of His love, knowing that, not even knowing, but feeling it, that He wants to spend time with you, and Him drawing you in is a completely different aspect of I don't have to spend time with him if that makes sense and it's funny because again driving over here I was thinking about works right because you could listen to this conversation and think that's just works and I thought to myself like how it's not the works that are works it's the heart that's works so the actions don't actually change so under works you say I have to spend time with the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, there. Okay, so the actions don't change. Under works, you say, I have to spend time with the Lord. I have to read. I have to pray. Under grace and love, it's it's still spending time with the Lord, reading and praying and worship. It's just the heart behind it. So the actions aren't the works. The heart's it's the heart is the heart. Yeah, works. one says I must. One yeah. says I get to. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like right. I, I must. If I don't, I don't do. I don't check the box and. You know, I didn't do my quota for the day type of thing. Actually, there's so much of this that I wrote last night. Yeah. So much of this for like, um, think about a job. Think about people who you know, at like your workplace or something like that. And I'll try to give a piece of this analogy. Think about people at your workplace who obey. They're all about punching in and out on time. They keep their work area clean. They do their quota, basically fulfill all the things of the law, but they're not submitted their heart posture is not for that company. And so what mm-hmm. happens is they begin to nitpick things because they're discontented. So in other words, they're obeying. They got the check coming, mm-hmm. right? They know that, but they're not submitted to the vision of the company. They're not submitted to their bosses. They don't really care about being there or yeah. not, but they're doing it to get the check. And so what happens is you go meet your friends, and instead of talking about, man, what are some ways we can make this company more efficient and, and grow it? Because when this company prospers, <laughs> we're all going to prosper, Right. What they do is they begin to nitpick with each other. They get to smack talk each other, yeah. smack talk the company, smack talk this. <clears throat> and then what happens is you, you end up stagnant and stale where you're at. And you're never going to be trusted by your bosses because all you've done is shown that you're only there for a check, mm-hmm. not for the company to grow. So how are they going to trust you with something up, right? And I started thinking about that when it comes to the heart posture with God. Mm. My heart posture is not to just seek God. The reason why I felt guilty is because like I'm on this wave with the Lord that I've never been on before. And I know it takes him to crush my heart. You know what I mean? Like, I know it takes 
broken vessels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To like, no. So like, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore without him breaking me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't want him, I don't want to do preaching or ministry anymore without like my heart being gone. Like mm-hmm. I want his heart. Yeah. And so that morning was tough. I mean, it was a tough day. Because I knew it's like, I don't ever want to leave that place without knowing with full assurance, Lord, this is your day. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it's a little different. I, I, I know some people would be like, that's a little harsh, Mass. No, there are things that I think some of us go through that we need. Like, I need that with God. Mm-hmm. I just need that assurance from God. I need, I need his counsel. I need his encouragement. I'm that guy that's a words of affirmation guy. So I need that from him. I yeah. need him to sing over me. I need him to tell yeah. me that stuff. You are more acts of service. I really well, do believe this This is, this quality is time, yeah. quality time. So you spending time with God is like, he just wants to spend time with me. He wants to be with me. Mm-hmm. Notice your answers. Yeah. Mine is, Lord, I just need an assurance from you that this is yeah. yours and you got it. Yeah. I just need to know that. If you got it, man, I'll run 100 miles today. Maybe not. But like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe two. <laughs> but like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, I need that. And yeah. so it wasn't guilt out of condemnation. It was a... I don't want to do another morning without him. Yeah. I just, I don't want to do another morning with, I don't want that. Right. And so like this, this whole, you know, past months have been like this revolutionary walk with me and him Mm -hmm. that I've never had before. Mm -hmm. That finally, after 20 years of like doing this, there's this, this open door with God that I've never had. You know what I mean? That I need, I I need it sorely and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Which all those things, I mean, again, going back to it's, all of that can be found in the word, yeah. obviously. And it's about letting the Holy Spirit make the word come alive. Yeah, totally. When I was, when we were in this group called, uh, we went actually, <laughs> you guys probably watched the uh, podcast with Joe Zupitz. We went to, when we were all lived in Minnesota and Joe and Heather lived in Minnesota and worked with Heather's dad, um, we went to their church service and he said to me, and I can't remember if it was when we lined up or got in that circle. I think it was. He said, daughter of God, read the word until it talks back to you. Mm. And, I, and I was like, you know, at that time, you didn't, you d- what they said, you did. And I did. Like, you read, <laughs> okay, 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 like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Sounds good to me. But I've used that terminology for so many people in our you know, years of ministry, read the word until it talks back to you. And the Holy Spirit will make it come alive to you because he can't not. And um, that's, and I think about, you know, when you said a word in your, um, what you were talking about, it wasn't really even what your end meaning was, but you said that might sound harsh. But that's the thing about the word of God. When you bury yourself in the word of God, you realize that there is a standard with God. And it's yeah. not, again, keeping the standard out of the works. It's keeping a standard through the Spirit right. and through the righteousness of Christ. But there is a standard, and that's what that concept of people who aren't in the Word, you see, do not have function in their lives. They don't have that standard, and they don't understand that that standard is uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, I, you know, I was reading—I'm um, reading this book called God's Generals, and I've read it before— And I'm thinking about, as we're putting this together, about the price that was paid for us to have the Word of God. Now, obviously, we say, well, the price that was Christ paid. Yes, obviously. I'm talking about the price that people paid for us to have the Word of God. And all these people like uh, William Tyndale, who was burned— 
burned at the stake in England for translating the Bible into from Latin to English. You have like uh, John, John Wycliffe, Huss. John Huss, and all these people who are per- uh, Martin Luther who were persecuted immensely just to get the word of God into the common people's language. And it's so ministered to me, and it kind of goes into, uh, fun facts, we'll be doing a show for Monday's podcast kind of about this, but ministering to the common people and how the price that they paid, we would literally not have a Bible in English if these men did not pay a price to go against, at the time, the Catholic Church, and the Bible was written in Latin, and even a lot of the Catholic priests couldn't read it. <clears throat> it was a super hierarchy that could read it, and then they dispensed yeah. what the Word was saying. They dispensed and it was, what their Yeah, right, what, what they, wanted what they could get said, from yeah. it, which was usually money. You know what I love, too, about all the names you said? I'm not saying all of them, but many of them were just common people who served God. They weren't these upper echelon rich yeah. folk that had it all perfect. It was actually, Luther was crazy. You know what I mean? Crazy, um, different. He was just odd, unique, you know, but look what, without him being obedient to the word or to the spirit of God, posting the 95 thesis, translating it into German, Mm -hmm. all these other things, right? Writing the pamphlets he wrote, we would not have a denomination like the Mm -hmm. Lutheran denomination. He didn't want that. Right. But it happened. And so you're you're looking at the Protestant Reformation being birthed out mm-hmm. of that. And here's just Luther being this monk who is a, a Catholic monk. Right. All of a sudden, poof. Like, wait, we can marry. Wait. The Bible yeah. says the just will live by faith, it's not by grace. rules, wickedness, yeah. works. And, you know, yeah. it just, you start to see all that they, they fought and died for. Uh, guys, go ahead and uh, share this video with your friends. Uh, again, Carrie Campos on with Self-Evident podcast um she might just take this thing over <laughs> we might just me and mike may secede from the union on this one and just take the losses because every time she comes on boy she gets a she gets a crowd uh look at glorious quote carrie spoke to me back in 2021 to get into the word of god thank you for being obedient to god's voice amy said being surrounded by truth terrifies people absolutely yeah. because they walk in darkness yeah you know what happens with <clears throat> light and darkness you turn on the light the cockroaches go because cockroaches hate the light. And so I'm not calling people cockroaches. I'm saying <laughs> darkness hates the light. Yeah, Darkness hates the light. And so when you come on them or come into a situation where you're in, you know you're in darkness, let's say maybe a certain situation like a college campus or something like that that's you know is liberal or you know yeah. that's wicked, that, that, that does not believe in Christ, and you start preaching the word, vitriol happens. Why? Because they're not mm-hmm. – they don't want that. And the Bible says they love darkness rather than the light. So we have to go and persuade them by the gospel, through, you know, through Christ to come to Christ. And that's, that's a lot. There's, there's a lot there. But how would you know to do that? And I think that's why most people don't witness either, babe. I think that's why most people don't share their faith, because they don't know how to be in the Word to even share their faith. Right. You know what I mean? They yeah. don't know what the Scriptures are about that, um, for all of sin to come short of the glory. That's an easy one. But what about Scriptures like, it's appointed unto man once to die and after yeah. this the judgment? Yeah. Better that the rock fall on you than you fall on the rock. You know what I mean? Or, I'm sorry, the other way around. Better that you fall on the yeah. rock than the rock fall on you. Uh, 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 it's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer of the break. Right. So like when you're praying over yeah. sinners, Lord, break that sinner's heart right. for you. Right. It's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. That you want them, that heart to be softened, Lord, yeah. to, so that they may receive, Father. Mm-hmm. You know, and knowing scriptures like that, it's like there's nothing we can't overcome. 
There's mm-hmm. no, yeah, we'll get rejected, but that's promise too. So you keep doing it because the Bible already promised you'd get rejected. Yeah. You'd be persecuted. So you keep doing it because you know that was a promise. Mm-hmm. You don't get rejected and say, maybe I'm not called to this. Right. No, you keep going because of the rejection, because it was promised to you already. So knowing scripture is so important, even to share the gospel. Right. You know? Right. I, I was going to say something that I just felt like maybe I shouldn't because it's, it. it's a little mocking. Say it. No, I say it. Okay. Say it. So like have a dirty taint on your record here. <laughs> Help me and Mike get the record back. When you're talking about like rehearsing scriptures, right? I, okay. <laughs> I don't want to do it. This. You know, like when you're in a church service and the pastor says a common this like is nails on a chalkboard to me makes my skin <laughs> crawl. When a pastor will say a scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Or they say, you know, Romans 8, 28, all good things work together. And like the whole crowd pipes up and requotes it with them unasked. They just quote it with them to prove that they know scripture. But it's only like the common scriptures that is on every coffee mug that they know. I just, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to mock, but yes, I just, I look over and I'm like, oh, like. Yeah, I remember when uh, you you would see that quote and you'd be like, yeah, they missed the part about the 70 years of judgment. Yeah, yeah, like when they Jeremiah were talking 29. about like the joy of the, well, that one too, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. That was like after 70 years of judgment and repenting. So like, <laughs> let's put it into context. And it's the same with Jeremiah 29, 11. But, and that's the thing about like, and I think, you know, we should end here soon, but like. Go ahead and I wanted that. to, well, it's, it's almost, your, it's your it's podcast. Almost, this is my beach. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to like talk about like tip I guess tips that we've used to study the word of God. And um it's not only just reading and obviously asking the Holy Spirit to open up the word, but it's getting a concordance so you can learn what the Greek and the Hebrew meanings of these words are because there is so much mistranslation in the American language. It's so limited into what it means. And you'll actually find that in the word of God you can have the same word, but mean two completely different things. Um, and then reading even commentaries from like Spurgeon and reading about these men who sacrificed for the word of God. You know, and talk about like Wycliffe, John Wycliffe was way like three, four hundred years before Martin Luther. But Martin Luther kind of gets the credit. Obviously, he sacrificed a lot, but he gets the credit for translating the Bible. But it was Wycliffe that actually was the first one recorded to stand up against the Catholic Church and say, this is not scriptural, and to have a heart and desire to translate it. So he did a translation, and then after him was John Huss. And so all these, and just learning about those people and what they did for the Word of God, but in study, reading commentaries of great men and women of God, That's, like Spurgeon yeah. and... Uh, Henry, Matthew Henry's yeah, got Matthew some good Henry, ones. Yeah, yeah, so there's a ton of them. There's a lot of good commentary, guys. I put in there, if you guys look at the comments, blueletterbible.com. Blueletterbible.com is such a good resource. You can do whatever version of the Bible you read, type in a scripture, and it'll it'll lay out each word, and you click on the Greek or the Hebrew meaning, and it'll mm-hmm. show you everything in the context of what it said. Right. A good example, wives submit to, I'm doing a whole <clears throat> sermon on submission. Wives submit to your husbands. That word submit is a whole different word than the submit of obey and submit your lead, obey to and submit your to your leaders. And so you're you're looking at the two parallels and why were they different? And so it's really good if you guys go to blueletterbible.com. You can mm-hmm. even get the app. I have it on my phone, so I'm always doing mm-hmm. doing doing that as well. Tell them what you got 
sorry. Go you, ahead. Oh, I was going to say, tell them what you used to do when you lived in Jake and Heather's basement with the word. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I remember when I first got saved, um, I so was like, and you know me, man. Like once I'm on a vein. Yeah, I, he's a hundred or nothing. So when I got into history and stuff, I was the same way. But like, um, I remember I'd crack open scripture. I remember one of the first books I ever opened was First Peter for some reason. And I started going through it. And the first scripture I ever memorized was First Peter 2.15. For so is the will of God that with good works he put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So I would like write down those scriptures and highlight them and put them on my wall. Well, I started like putting five by, you know, nine, uh, five by, what are they called? Something. Five, five by, by nine, five and a half by seven, something, seven. The little cards, you know, the index <laughs> cards, right? Uh, whatever, yeah. four by fives, whatever. And so I'd put them on the wall. And as I kept putting more on, I just kept memorizing because I kept rehearsing mm-hmm. them. And I'd pray over each one saying, Lord, just show me what that, like, show, like, put it in my heart. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just know it. And um, I did that for, I think, a year straight, yeah. just, like, reading through. And what that did was I realized, I realized that. <laughs> Katie Luttrell, a homeschooling mom, says three by five. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, three by five. That's what I was saying. Three She's by the five. best. Right. So I realized through doing that, sometimes I'm like, man, why can't I remember that scripture? Until I started to do street ministry. Once I started to do street ministry, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to remembrance. And dude, it yeah. would be like it would dominoes. Be, yeah. It would just be dominoes. All it's of a sudden, part of you. It, it becomes is. a part of you. It's like your conversation. Yeah. And I didn't realize this. And I got to thank Jake and Chuck and all those guys. We would do that. Like we'd go home and pray. And then we'd get together some nights, like I can't remember how many nights, and just crack open the Bible with no agenda. We would just go through and say, well, Timothy says this. What does mm-hmm. that mean, you think? Mm-hmm. And we would just talk about yeah. it. Like. Started to break down the word. I wish we could have gone deeper with that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm finding out Hebrews 13. I'm preaching on that this week. Hebrews 13 was written at a time of political discord and religious discord. It, the, the, the country was in turmoil. Mm-hmm. The Hebrews were going nuts. So then that's when he writes, let brother love continue. Submit to your leaders. Yeah. Why? Because the world was saying one thing. I need the church to stay yes. with the churches. So yeah. just realizing and opening those doors are like, oh, my gosh. So the word comes alive that it's apply, applicable to mm-hmm. today. So the more I study the word and study history, study all those things, I, I just love making things come alive. Yeah. I like I like that because it, it excites my hunger and passion right. for it. You know what right. I mean? So yeah, I mean that was early on. And I taught others to do the same. You know, yeah. just just grab cards and write it down and put them on your yeah. thing. Even if it looks stupid, I'm telling you, you will look stupid. So you're a fool for Christ. Mm-hmm. Look stupid. But go win the loss. Yeah. You know, go win souls. Go build your church. Go do what you got to do in the midst of looking foolish, and God will exalt you. Yeah. He's done it to us. Mm-hmm. And we're, I mean, I don't know. Look who I married. He exalted me. He took this fool and gave me that. <laughs> That's right. So, guys, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Find out more information about what we do, why we do it, and why Carrie is taking over this podcast. <laughs> also, if you have not become a torchbearer, Carrie. Uh, yes, become a torchbearer. <laughs> a torchbearer is our monthly support program. Um, helps us stay funded, go out, helps us do things like buy plane tickets to travel and minister, you know, supports our product line it just supports generally the foundation of what we do supports the podcast and so if you want to sign up to become a monthly sponsor you can go to the selfevidenttruth.com click on the upper right corner that says donate find the monthly donation with the torch bear logo and sign up through there or you can call call us message us we would be glad to help 
and Torch thank you. Burr, thank Torch you. Burr Society. We have a lot of supporters listening right now, so thank you to all of you. You know, yeah, you who guys you are, are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, tune in on Monday. Eight, seven, eight. We'll be live because right? I don't, I don't get anywhere before eight p- eight a.m. <laughs> she don't get anywhere before ten a.m. Get out of here. <laughs> it's true. I literally just confessed last night to some friends. This hey. is the kind of podcast we need: real relationship, <laughs> real stuff. marriage. I am not literally capital N O T a morning person, and it's not that I'm claiming that over my life. I'm acknowledging a fact. Okay, she is a Ken A O T. She's a not. In the mornings. Listen, I will pretend sometimes to be asleep <laughs> so he won't talk to me because he is a morning person. So I'll be sometimes I'll be in the bed and I'll be like sometimes. pretending to be asleep so he won't come in and talk to me. And I figure it's safer for our marriage than to start a fight by my attitude in the morning. So, so you're welcome. So one time. You were having a bad back issue or something like that, so you went out to sleep on the couch. And so I get up, and I'm like, morning, babe, because I saw her on her phone. I'm like, morning, babe, how you doing, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Me and my coffee, it's like 6.30 in the morning or something like that. Hey, how you doing, babe? It's good to see you. I love you. You look so beautiful. And I was, she said something, and I was like, what would you say, babe? What do you need? She goes, I don't want to talk. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I love you, babe. Bye. <laughs> Yes, so there, there's a, I'm sure there's a scripture about that, how it's wrong, but I haven't gotten to that part I don't yet. know, part of the Ten Commandments? <laughs> don't lie. That's, that's that not, could I'm be... not lying. Oh, when I'm sleep, pretending to be sleeping? <laughs> yeah, I that's, mean. It's a form of protection, <laughs> being a helpmate to you. <laughs> All right. Anyways, love you guys. God bless. We'll see you Monday. Support us, self-evident truth, the self-evident truth, self-evident truth.com.